Hail, welcome to Odin's Alchemy. So this week we have a real pleasure of having a guest on uh, that's uh, expert in some of the things that you hear us talking about and has taken some of the classes that like Elaine Ingram gives and uh, it knows about soil biology, about uh, breaking it down with the microscope so you can see these things then how they're working in a symbiosis and making things available but how you have to keep it in a balance in order for that to work how these things are working and with it spring coming up everybody wants to talk about these things and everybody wants to uh, start making this move uh, to a different uh, uh, dynamic where the your food chain is now shortened and start doing things yourself so we're bringing on Michael at Wedgley and he's been down in Arizona doing his own work and taking all the right classes and figuring out soil biology. And we could not be happier to have him on and to have this discussion. Uh, welcome, Michael. Uh, go ahead and please uh, put out any information that you want and your websites and anything like that. So everybody can go find you and check you out. Okay, great. Um, so actually, I'm in uh, California. I'm in the Bay Area. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. I was in Arizona just temporarily for um, for a certification on rainwater catchment, actually, um, with the, uh, let me think of the name. It's Brad Lancaster's organization. He's the one who wrote, um, I believe, rainwater catchment uh, for the drylands. I mean, he basically like invented rainwater catchment you know i mean that's how i mean Fantastic. obviously not invented it but yeah he's like one of those like big people um yeah i wish i could uh watershed management was group. It that's what it is so it's the watershed management group through tucson they have a like a water um harvesting designer certification course that's like a one-week course um and so that's that's where i was in arizona that's the connection to arizona um but i'm a okay. permaculture designer uh, and then for those of your viewers who don't know what permaculture is, it's a method of design that utilizes the principles found in nature to create abundance with minimal inputs and maintenance. So I love it. I'm like working with nature every day, observing how it works and um, really just trying to give like give it little pushes in the right direction as opposed to like coming in and imposing my will on it. Um, yeah, so I also founded a nonprofit called Transformative Soil and Landscapes, and that's in primarily the Bay Area. And what we do is, uh, yeah, there, there's it right there, our website. What we do is we try to um, organize the community around uh, projects where we install food forests, which are permaculture gardens, and people's backyards to basically spread abundance and to promote community. We have uh, lots of ideas of going forward of where we'd like to maybe have the excess produce be uh, brought to like a farmer's market where we could have a stand and we could kind of offer it um, like a pay what you want, take what you need type of a thing. Um, so just trying to help again, put that abundance out there. Um, I also have my own website. I'm a freelancer as well. Um, so I do like consultations and things like that. And it's called soilogical.com. Um, that website right now is not up, but hopefully by the time this gets out there, it will be up. 
Um, and the kind of work that I do is I do like permaculture design. So I'll go and design people's backyards. I'll put a drone in the air, get a good like layout of what it looks like. And I'll design it for, uh, for like their abundance. Um, and then also I do uh, soil microbiology testing through Elaine Ingham's soil food web program. Um, so I'm a certified uh, lab technician with her. And I'm also working on the the time it takes to get to become a consultant, which is this huge uh, process to become a consultant of having to create compost in like the perfect way and then prove and show under a microscope that it's exactly where it needs to be. And then you have to use that to make all types of different preparations and applications to then uh, apply to the soil. And then you have to show that you've actually changed dirt which is dead, you know, uh, earth into once again, living, uh, soil with the, with all of the types of microbiology that we need to see in order to be confident that it's going to grow again, abundance. So that's basically everything that I do. It's, it's a lot, but it's, um, it all kind of ties together. So. Absolutely. Nope. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, what class was it that you were saying that you took in St. Louis also? Oh, in St. Louis, I was an apprentice at like the uh, oldest organic farm uh, west of the Mississippi. But then I also did my PDC out there, which is a permaculture design certification course. So in order to do, uh, in order to be a permaculture designer, you have to take the PDC. And so I got that, um, I'd say three years ago or so and have been de designing since. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So um, the people that uh, in our uh, genre, a lot of them are, uh, especially with the way the uh, politics has went and the way the uh, supply chain has went, have there's been a sudden uh, surge in people wanting to move to growing their own food. And on top of that, just a general knowledge of what this mass production, what is happening to what they uh, they have been receiving as food and how nutritionally deplete that is uh, because of the way that uh, mass farming requires um, in order to do it. You can't you can't run. Uh, these giant machines through a food forest and have them just pluck out the wheat and somehow just get a, a combine full of wheat that dumps it off into a truck out of a food forest. It doesn't happen. So yeah. in order to do this commercial growing, they had to go to this monoculture style. But when we gave over all of our food production to them, now in order for for them to do that, it's such a poor manner of doing it uh, that uh, it's just not sustainable for the earth in any way, shape, or form. And the the food that you're getting is completely nutrient deplete. So a lot of these people are wanting to start doing their own things. And a lot of them have very limited space to do so and don't understand how to uh, grow without taking and putting fertilizers and things like that in there because uh, there isn't a basic understanding of how things work and don't understand that, you know, your miracle grow is basically the equivalent of putting an IV into your arm where your body's not processing any of these things. 
And so you're just getting this deplete sugar instead of getting the fullness of a nutrient rich food that your stomach has broken down and made available. And that the same thing applies to your plant life. And that all starts in the soil, which I, we definitely need to get deeply into. Um, yeah. But can you please tell people where they should start in this whole process? Because that's the big question. And so many of them feel like like they ha they're behind the eight ball and they don't even know where to start. And all the information they've been given is bad, which is true. But let's let's uh, yeah. start it out. Yeah, no, that is it is true. There's a lot of bad information out there. Um, there's a lot of information, period. So it's really hard to discern what is good and what is bad. Um, and some of them, you know, and then there's also this kind of idea of good, better, best. Um, and I think that maybe even some people kind of get hung up if they don't feel like they can do best. I know that I even kind of get hung up if I'm like, it needs to be best, especially when you do stuff like design, you know, you're looking to create best. And so it's really hard to kind of dial that down. But um, there's a lot of different options. And so it's really difficult to kind of prescribe one option for people, but I can definitely give some ideas. Um, one of the things that I also am a program manager at a, a nonprofit called Sustainable Solano, and that's in Solano County. And we actually create gardens at like churches and schools and things like that. So I feel like that's a good way to start if a lot of people are like kind of more like apartment living is to volunteer mm -hmm. and, and help in those types of gardens, community gardens. Um, and if there's none in their area, I mean, that's an opportunity to start stuff, you know, like a lot of times you come across in this industry because it's kind of burgeoning and it's just starting, you have a lot of problems, you could say, that you come across and you, and let's say you're like, okay, I want to, I want to do the community garden thing. Let me try to find a garden. And then you don't find it. A lot of people get hung up on the problem. And one of the principles of permaculture is the problem is the solution. So, okay, if there's no garden in your community, then that's the solution. Create a garden in your community and you can run it and you can, you know, start it and make it the way you want it to be. Freya. <laughs> you got a couple of your dogs there barking. Um, yeah, so that's that's one way you can do it. If you have a little bit of land, that that's another, you know, kind of prescription. If you have a little bit of land. I think that permaculture is uh, is great, especially for people that are busy because it primarily utilizes perennials. Um, and for those of, those of uh, your viewers who don't know what perennials are, you have your annuals and you have your perennials. Your annuals are things like tomatoes and peppers and eggplant, things that you have to replant year after year. Perennials are something you put in the ground once and for the most part, that's all you need to do. And it gives you a yield every year. And so it's really enjoyable because it's something that like you, you put a lot of more work up front. You know, maybe you're digging different types of earthworks to harvest water and you're doing that sort of stuff. And you're putting in all these plants, but then your work over time becomes less and less. So food forests are amazing in that way. Um, and so I would encourage, you know, viewers to uh, look into permaculture, look into permaculture designing. Um <laughs> 
Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, no worries. I know how it is. It's it, only it, dogs today. It could be sometimes it's goats, sometimes it's birds. Uh -huh. Like two it's weeks weekends. ago, I was shooting a show and I was on an interview on another station, and the cat jumped through the window right here with a dead squirrel in its mouth. And it's like, oh, oh wow. come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, for me, it used to be roosters um, all the time. But um, yeah, so. Food forest is a, is a really great way to, to like get started. Um, and then, like I said, I would just encourage people to look into, to permaculture, into permaculture design. There's some great videos. Um, there's a couple people online that I really love to like on YouTube and stuff that I really love that are putting out really good content as well. Um, Trying to think of grow your greens. He's a great guy. Yeah. Anyways, look up Grow Your Greens. That's a that's a really great one. He does good stuff. Um, James Prigioni does another one. Um, they do. They just have really good content out there to kind of get people started in the permaculture world. And then you can have, if you have the ability, you can even hire permaculture designers. There's a lot of probably permaculture designers in communities that maybe haven't got a lot of experience, so maybe a little bit like lower price for some people. Um, and uh, yeah, and then, you know, and that maybe just that part of it maybe takes you to good, um, you know, or even like somewhere into great, you know, then you start to really bring in the soil aspect and the microbiology aspect. And that's where you get even more, I think, bad information or good information or whatever that's really hard to discern. And I think I personally am really into Elaine Ingham's soil food web. Uh, because it brings in aerobic microbes that create nutrient cycling, which um, I talked more about in uh, in a presentation I did a few weeks ago that maybe you guys can link on. So if people are interested, they can go to that presentation. Um, and it's called Soil Biology to Grow Garden Abundance. And, and I really just try to make it like super basic so people understand the importance of it. Uh, but it's key that we're looking into aerobic microbes. There's a lot of stuff out there like Korean natural farming and Bokashi and all these things. And I can't talk ill against it because I haven't really dived deep enough into it, but my, but just kind of like my mentors, um, they don't really recommend it. And um, the more I do look into it, the more what it looks like is you're really kind of approaching that whole IV situation you were talking about where you are making all the nutrients in all this material uh, water soluble. And so you are going to get an impact right off the bat, but over time, you're not really establishing that biology that we're trying to establish that creates su sustainability and longevity and the most healthiest plants you could ever grow without having to be a tinkering scientist year after year mm -hmm. after year or month after month. A lot of it's month after month. And I think that a lot of that stuff like KNF was, which is Korean natural farming, if I didn't already say, mm -hmm. Um, I think that that's been popularized more by like cannabis growers who love to like tinker, you know, and have their recipes and like, and feel like they've got their like secret recipe that they don't want to share with anybody, you know, but, but I think that overall uh, soil food web stuff is more like open source and easy. You apply it and it establishes, and then you don't really have to do it again. If you get it well established and you never apply any pesticides or herbicides. So I think for longevity purposes, that's the way to go towards nutrients. And that's including fungi, bacteria, nematodes, protozoa, all of these microbes that work in harmony in, in a natural way to provide nutrients to the plants.
Absolutely. Now, so the way I do it and the way I view it in between those two things, and we're going to backtrack a little bit and start breaking this down a little bit more, but just okay. to respond a little bit to what you just said, in, in my opinion, the basically uh, you use the system that Elaine has uh, for making your initial base, and that's going to set the tone for how things sit. And then I will make the some of the other things where you're doing more of a fermented because, and again, we just went over a whole bunch of things without unpacking any of them. So mm -hmm. like anaerobic versus aerobic for those that don't want to know or don't know is you're talking about uh, with oxygen or without oxygen. So when you're talking about aerobic, that's why like aerobic exercise where you're, <gasps> you're getting oxygen and trying to, focus on oxygen that's fed to that where anaerobic is where the same material is also going to break down but it's breaking down with a different system so that system is one where you're talking about fermentation of uh like making mead or uh, making fermented foods now, one of the things we got to understand with that is you would never do the fermentation in your stomach. When you get fermentation in your stomach, that's because you've eaten something improper and your body is not processing it the way it should. So that food literally starts breaking down from the uh, yeasts inside of it. And that byproduct of that yeast is alcohol because it's a fermentation and anaerobic uh, uh, breakdown. And so you would never do that in your stomach that causes sickness. Because of that, you would also never do that in your living soil. You wouldn't have that anaerobic breakdown. So you, you start out with that uh, aerobic uh, setup but then because, I, and again, I, I live in Humboldt, um, so mm. even though I'm not growing cannabis, I do definitely like tinkering. Uh, and I try and grow a very large abundance. And so I go and top feed. And my top feed then is a breakdown of uh, alpaca manure because alpaca is basically direct sow. Uh, so I will go and get the bacteria and get the breakdown of that alpaca manure. And that's usually a good chunk of the base of what I'm mixing up for my, uh, uh, soil anyways, is alpaca and then some chicken and duck, a little bit of that in there for some heavier nitrogen. Cause the alpaca is more of potassium heavy, but, uh, using then that ferment fermented feed after the fermentation process is done as a top feed in order to uh, help some of the processes, especially when in an area you also are in California, some of the soil here is horribly deplete. So that first couple of years, especially sometimes putting a little top feed in there, that's uh, a little easier to break down. That's how I, I use it rather than trying to use that as the initial system. That's like a booster for things because it's just such a horribly, horribly deplete soil. Yeah, um, I would agree with you on a lot of it, as especially I think that it's really important to really strike that point that the anaerobic process is how we produce alcohols and vinegars. And therefore, you do not want anaerobic environment in your soil because you're going to either pickle your roots 
or you're going to dissolve them. Um, and so it's really important to keep your soil aerobic. Um, the way that I see the po po potential applications of, um, of like preparations that are anaerobic is potentially some, I know that you have to dilute it a lot because you could also even fry the, the foliage, but I can see it as a foliar spray because it does um, have those, those water soluble nutrients. Um, but I think, I think we're going to get a lot more deeper actually than we intended to, because when it comes to, when it comes to, uh, anaerobes and aerobic. So like when you're doing the anaerobic fermentation, you're basically unlocking all of the nutrients. You're making it yes. water soluble by, you know, all of the plant cells are dissolving and releasing all the nitrogen, all the potassium, all the phosphorus, all the stuff it has in there. If it was growing well and it was able to get minerals through the ground, that's what's in that plant material. You're unlocking that. You're making it immediately accessible. Downsides are in a rain, that's going to wash right out of your system. You know, in a good rain, mm -hmm. it'll wash right out of your system because, again, it's water soluble. Water idea, falls from the sky during the summer? Not in California, but uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely Missouri and Arizona. Um, but, but yeah, that's a, that is a, that is a great thing to consider when you do aerobic and you're doing the, when you're doing, uh, like the method of putting the biology in the ground, you have, I mean, you're basically setting it with, for nature to take its course. And that's where, like, you're talking about, you're wanting to put in all that alpaca manure and all that, all the chicken manure, duck manure, all that kind of stuff. That's basically water soluble nitrogen that you're putting into the ground or you're putting excess. Sometimes it's not water soluble. It doesn't need to be broken down, but you're putting nitrogen into the ground intentionally. When you use nature to do it, you use things like legumes or other plants. And what they are doing, they have a symbiotic relationship with bacteria that affixes itself to the roots. And it actually is pulling nitrogen out of the atmosphere. So that's the beginning of how nitrogen even becomes a source, a resource to us is that first step of pulling it out of the, out of the air um, by a certain bacteria. I don't want to get into the like details of how that goes, but then that's in the soil. Then something comes along like a decomposer, like we're talking like a beetle or even other bacteria, fungi, whatever they come, they eat that up. Boom. Now you've got nitrogen cycling happening. And then, and it's, it's a very complex process, but in having it done that way, the plants actually interact with that whole soil food web in order to get the exact nutrients they need. So you don't have any excess nutrients in the system. It's also tied up in the bodies of all of those organisms in the soil. It's not water soluble. So if water comes and you know, tries to wash it out, it's able to hold there in the system and always be there uh, in reserve for whenever the plants need it. So the key to it is then you also have to have plants in your system at all times, as much roots as you can to be able to kind of feed the sugars from um, uh, from photosynthesis into the soil to feed that biology to then be able to create that that cycle where the nitrogen is being pulled out of the system. And that goes for every other nutrient, too, as they, it cycles within the um, within the soil. Additionally, last thing to say about that is that when you are using biology, aerobic biology in the soil, you have all those microbes, the minerals that are in your soil. Whereas if you're just giving your plants free nutrients, 
they're not going to have interactions with, they're not going to set those interactions with the, the, the other organisms in the soil. So it's been seen that if they have all this free nutrients, they'll release their relationships with the fungi and all that, because they're like, what do I need to exchange for, for you? I've got all the free nutrients I need. So then it's not resilient. And you're also then not getting, it's those organisms like fungi and bacteria that are mining the minerals that are in your soil and so and exchanging it with the plant. So if you don't have that connection, you're not getting minerals. So in doing some of these more like conventional farming where you're just putting nitrogen in or you're even sometimes doing like um, the uh, some of these more anaerobic processes, you may not be picking up as much minerals or nutrients because you don't have those uh, those. Uh, relationships set up in the soil. I know that was super complex, um, but maybe some wonderful dissect. Okay, cool. That was wonderful. So what we're going to lay, what I'm going to lay out here is, is with traditional farming and what people are taught, what you're doing is you're going in and you're tearing up the top uh, so many inches of the soil. And in that top so many inches, it, it's literally like dropping a bomb in your stomach. So all that life was now that was in there and carbon, which is one of the basic building blocks for these plants, plants just eat carbon up. And so all that carbon's been released from the soil, which is part of why we only have a couple inches of topsoil anymore as opposed to feet. And now that zone that the plant is able to actually work with to, to grow in, uh, absorb nutrients is tiny. And so what we're trying to do with this then is to try and extend that out. And, and that's what Michael's talking about is putting a lot of effort into that because our traditional farming has done the exact opposite and gotten rid of that and then focused on a broken down food that the plant doesn't need a biome in order to uptake. Now with that, We've also had extreme erosion. And what I'd like Michael to talk about next then is because of this tearing up, we've also torn up the fungi. And so with this relationship, the water does not want to hold into that topsoil and it instead wants to wash it away and erode it. Because what we've got basically is a sponge that has been dried up in the sun and fallen apart. And now that just washes away with the whole system rather than a sponge that soaks in water and goes and goes and so soaks back and forth. Uh, we've basically broken the sponge apart and now it just washes away with everything else. So that's going to be one of the first parts of setting this entire system up is understanding that we need to deepen and activate this entire system and set up this sponge of and just like your kitchen sponge is just a, a magnet for bacteria, so is going to be your soil sponge that you're trying to build. And so please talk about the building of the sponge and the fungi in the relationship. Please expand on that. Yeah. So just to give like a quick overview, the sponge is a great analogy um, because a lot of people I'm sure have had experience with sponges when they're dried up on their kitchen sink and they put water on it and they got to kind of work the water in to soften the sponge up before it activates and becomes spongy and soaks up water super easy. And that's because things like that become hydrophobic. 
and that does happen in the soil too. So you're more likely to just have water run off. The other thing about it is that, um, you know, you talked a little bit about fungi, uh, but it really all, it really starts at the, at the um, and I think another good analogy for people to understand the function of, um, of bacteria is like the when bacteria kind of like form like some like kind of plaque or something on your teeth you can kind of feel it and scrape it off right so what they're doing is that the bacteria are forming glues to be able to stick to things like your teeth so when you drink some water they don't get washed away and the same goes for the soil they'll affix themselves to something in the soil so that when the, when it rains they don't get washed away and what that what those glues do is they'll take, you know, here's like a little piece of some leaf or something or uh, maybe some worm poop or whatever. And they're they're gluing all these pieces together and they're creating what's called micro aggregates. And those micro aggregates are just like little breadcrumbs and then they're getting more glued together. And so imagine breadcrumbs kind of being all glued together. There's going to be all kinds of air passageway, uh, path, passway, passageways and pathways throughout the whole thing. Then you've got like worms that will come along and they're digging tunnels and they're creating more passageways. And then you've got the fungi like you're talking about that comes along and they take those micro aggregates and they start to piece them together and form like webs around them and make it into macro aggregates. And all of a sudden now you've got really good structure. And within that structure, you've got all these air passageways that water can come into and it's no longer hydrophobic because there's some water that's in there. And you've got... Um, air that's able to go in and keep it oxygenated. So we're talking about the aerobic environment that we need. And it also helps it so that roots can easily start to work themselves into the soil deeper and deeper and deeper. And then eventually even hit that groundwater <clears throat> as opposed to being shallow where the soil is always drying. So it's really key to, to have all of those aspects um, of microbes in the soil to, to create that good structure and to ensure that, um, you know, you're able to have water penetrate your soil instead of just wash away on the top surface and bring away all kinds of topsoil with it. And, and like Absolutely. you said, too, <clears throat> think about all those microbes and all that structure that we talked about that takes, you know, billions of organisms to make. And then you're going to come through <laughs> and you're going to just blend that up like, no, it, it destroys it. It destroys it. It, it, it's very similar to all the folks that are very interested in your own health. It's very similar to just taking an antibiotic. Uh, all that life inside of your stomach is dead. Good life, bad life, all life gone. Um, yeah, there is more. There is more similarity between all levels of life than people realize. I mean, there is no difference. We're just basically, like you said, you know, we're basically. Plants have their digestion on the outside of their roots. We have it on the inside, but we're just basically a donut for bacteria, for biology to be in and to, to mine all those nutrients, just like it does with plants and make it available for our system so that we can absorb it. And it's an exchange as well, just like the plants. There's no difference. It's just how you do the digestion. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can take those direct comparisons. Like I was saying, you would not want something to uh, anaerobically process inside of your stomach. 
that that that's how you get heartburn that's how you start getting all these different things that happen it means your body is not processing all the food that it went in there and that food is breaking down in uh an anaerobic environment and instead of breaking down the proper way through your biome uh the same thing that is very important with the uh keeping the groundwater then that comes in you're talking about and one of the uh, common misconceptions uh you would almost downright call it a lie is that uh plants next to your plant are gonna take away from the water of your plant that somehow having just this one plant isolated and giving that so much water is going to be better for that plant because it's somehow receiving all of it and it's just absolutely not true especially in a monoculture situation like that you're not going to get the ground cover which is something we're going to talk about in just a second i'd like you to talk about because um, once you build this biome up a biome is extraordinarily sensitive to the sun and just like anybody that's checked out victor schauberger's work um the water table also is very uh, uh susceptible to the sun and the sun will actually push the water table down where when you have that ground cover the water table will come up and uh not only will it hold what's going in uh, with that system put together but it's also going to draw the groundwater to it more um and that's one of the things schauberger proved uh, especially with larger plants like trees, um, some of those things that uh, go a little bit deeper and also tend to break up some of your more clay-like soil like a lot of us are starting to deal with because the ground's so deplete and dead where uh, you're talking about like your daikon radishes and things like that that really grab down there and break up uh, and start pulling that table back up to you and also holding on to it. So one of the most first misconceptions is that it's better to just give that singular plant the water and then it's going to eat all of it. And the fact is, is without the rest of that, those plants to uh, uh, build up that biome, that water is just washing away and dropping down and not in a good way. So when you have all those plants together, which I don't know that we even described exactly what a food forest is, but when you have them together in a food forest, uh, then that water table stays together and it actually holds on to it better rather than worse. You aren't, those other plants aren't taking away, they're helping hold on to what's being given to it and process it. So uh, please first just describe what a food forest is and then the, the role that ground cover and things like that play uh, in uh, keeping that biome that we're trying so hard to build uh, protected. Sure. Yeah, so I mean, well, it's going to start off pretty simple. It's going to get a little more complex at the end there. But um, so a food forest basically is um, obviously a system that's geared, that's, that is uh, designed to produce food, um, but it also mimics like your typical forest. And so when we're designing a food forest, what we're looking to do is imitate what's happening in nature by first off, you've got your tall trees, you know, that's going to be like your first layer, your tall trees. 
then you're going to have more smaller trees. And, and I, there are, you know, we do talk a little bit more about like specific names for those, like these layers, but to just make it super simple, you got your tall trees, you got your, then like smaller trees, then you got your shrub layer and then below your shrub layer, you've got your herbaceous layer. And just to talk about shrubs, I mean, you're talking like lavender or, um, uh, you know, blueberries, things like that, like ones that bush out and that are smaller than a, like an orchard tree. And then you've got your herbaceous layer, which is going to be things like lettuces and kale and cabbage and, you know, all the stuff that you kind of like eat as a vegetable for the most part. Then you have your root layer, um, which is going to be like your carrots and you're talking about like radish, daikon radishes, things like that. Um, a lot of people don't think about it too, but also that includes fungi. So your uh, mushrooms and things like that that we eat. And then you have your vining layer, uh, which is like things like grapes and passion fruit and stuff like that. And then you have your ground cover layer, which category like that could that could include maybe strawberry. Strawberry is kind of somewhere in between ground cover and uh, herbaceous. Um, maybe some people are familiar with miners lettuce that could be a, a considered a ground cover as well. And so we actually put all and, they, and we use them to kind of to create what we kind of called guilds. And a guild is where you kind of, you look at like the tree, for instance, and it's a fig tree. Fig trees need certain things and they produce certain things. And so now you want to develop relationships with other plants that you put around this tree in order to provide its needs and also to maybe be able to utilize some of the things that it puts out there. So you have as little waste as possible and you're supporting everything in harmony in some kind of complex web so that there's a lot less input from the person who's growing that guild and they, but then they're able to pull a lot of abundance out of it. So that's basically a food forest summarized. Um, and so talking about that layer uh, that's so important, which would be that kind of that ground cover layer that you were talking about. And I think, and I wouldn't say that it's it's exclusive to that, but I think that it's in it's a part of the system that is often overlooked. And you'll see a lot of bare soil in gardening and ra people's raised beds and things like that. But I look to try to hide the soil as much as possible. Some people do it with wood chips, and that's okay. I, or dried leaves, you know, that's, that's okay too. Uh, that, that does serve certain benefits, but I prefer actually to use living mulch because, and the reason for it is because for one, you now have roots that are going into the system and those roots are feeding all of that, but they're starting that whole process. Like we said, they're exchanging nutrients with the bacteria and the fungi in the system uh, through photosynthesis. So you're capturing energy from the sun. You're basically turning your garden area into a solar farm that you're using to take all those, that energy from the sun and turn it into energy for us and for the microbes, you know, all along the process. So uh, that's one of the main things is that you're putting those roots in the ground to start putting nutrients into the soil for the, for all that biology to start to have food and kick, kickstart that system. Um, the other thing is, is that all those roots also help to create oxygen and organic matter into the soil and allow water to seep in better. And so it really is, it's helping to build that structure. If you have, for instance, some people be, may be more familiar with, uh, with 
some soil that's covered in ivy. That soil covered in ivy, it, it doesn't matter if the hill is going to be shaped like this, you're not going to have light runoff. You're not going to have a mudslide. You're not, it's going to hold its form. It's going to hold its structure. And so that's the other thing about having those roots in the ground is you're creating that structure. In addition, you're able to potentially use certain things like uh, clover. And clover is one of the, the veg not vegetables, but greens, plants, that um, it actually has that relationship with those uh, bacteria that pull the nitrogen out of the air. So then you have that those plants, the clovers, providing nutrients to the plants around it, including trees and shrubs and all that stuff. So again, you're kind of creating this really complex connection between all these plants and trees uh, through that ground cover layer. So absolutely. Clover is my favorite. And, and uh, the word that uh, everybody, if you're looking for a plant like this, which you need it because nitrogen is one of your macronutrients and as Michael was explaining, it, it, you can't just dump the nit nit uh, nitrogen in there. It needs to be processed and made available. So the plants that do that are called nitrogen fixers. And what that's doing is fixing the nitrogen. And now plants that want to eat nitrogen like corn is going to have that available for them. And they're going to be able to eat it up. And the two things are going to work in a symbiosis in this. Now, some people are aware of uh, the three sisters where then you add in uh, a ground cover type plant and try and protect that entire system that's been being built up. Because if you don't, it's no different than literally exposing your stomach uh, bacteria to the sun. It's, it's just going to tear it apart and break it down. And that's going to kill the life in it. And this is what we're talking about is a living soil that you maintain and keep alive. And the longer that it's living, the more complex it's going to get. And the better your food is going to taste, um, the better your food is going to grow. Uh, every year when you, you start doing, absolutely, and better for you. And part of that is, is as the complexity of that soil starts to develop, we move past the NPK, which is your macronutrients, and we move more into the micronutrient, which is something that a lot of people don't even uh, really pay any attention to at all. And the same thing in the human being. Everybody's so worried about the sugar intake and the caloric intake, but the fact is, is that's a secondary thing. If you go and pick your foods according to your nutrient input, that caloric intake is going to be there. It's, there's no such thing as a food that's all nutrient density and no caloric intake. That's, that's insanity. So what mm -hmm. you really need to do is look at the nutrient intake and then the caloric intake is just going to come with it. And we, we kind of put the cart before the horse like we do with so many things. But with that, the micronutrients are what are really going to make the life flourish in that plant. And it do do besides like we see in prison, what people happens to people in prison, they're getting the macronutrients. They're getting the government approved caloric intake and they are not healthy people. 
and their their bodies are not exhibiting all the things that a normal person would and that's this micronutrients that we need to pay attention to and that's the same thing with plants so can we please get into that yeah i do want to yeah i can connect that with also adding on to what we were just talking about a little bit too um because it's it's so you had mentioned that also by having that ground cover, you're kind of shielding from the sun. You're also shielding from the water because these things do destroy the, the biology because it's just too intense. Bacteria cannot survive just exposed to the sun. Most bacteria anyway. Some can form glues and, and protect, but whatever. Um, that, but I forgot to even mention that when talking about, uh, when talking about ground cover. And the reason for that is because there's – once you once you find like the truth, I mean, be, you know, in nature, there's just it's this perfect connection and web. And like there's 20 reasons why it's hard to remember everything that it does, you know, because it's just it's this amazingly like beautifully designed system nature is. And so when that system's in harmony, yeah, then you have all that biology able to, like I said before, mine the nutrients from the ground so a lot of people complain about clay and like i love clay i love clay soils because it's got so much nutrients you just have to have the biology in there to to do what's called flocculate the clay and i don't want to get too much into that but it basically is making these platelets kind of spread apart from each other like magnets that are you know same side magnets where you can't really touch them together that's what happens to these clay platelets they move apart and the bio, the, the bacteria is able to move in and start to form, like I said, those micro aggregates and then create that structure. So I'm not afraid of clay. I love clay. I've taken clay and in three months I can dig my arm all the way down into my armpit um, because it's got good structure. And so but what that provides is in that clay, you have so many complex like minerals like, you know, silica and boron and calcium and all these different types of minerals that's in the parent material. And Elaine Ingham talks about how there is no soil on this planet. She's seen it maybe like a handful of times, but we're talking and looking at hundreds of samples all over the, the, the globe. And she's maybe seen like a handful where maybe like, you know, the life was destroyed or dirt was pulled out. I don't even know what rare circumstances, but, uh, this all of the soil should have every nutrient you need to grow the healthiest plants available. You just need to unlock those nutrients and that's what the microbes do. So fungi and bacteria, they have enzymes to help them digest and break those minerals up. Then to get a little bit more complex, then you have protozoa and nematodes, which are predatory organisms. They come along and they eat up that bacteria and now all those nutrients are in that. Now, those nutrients in the bacteria, I mean, in the nematode or in the protozoa, those nutrients are in far too compl uh, complicated or uh, not complicated, but concentrated uh, amounts for that organism. And so it will expel those nutrients into the soil, oftentimes at the root zone, because the bacteria are most concentrated at the root zones because they're feeding also on the sugars and things like that being provided by the plant. So the plant knows to give those exudates out to, to draw the bacteria in. So then the nematodes and the protozoa come and eat. And then that excess nutrients is expelled right at the root zone. So now that plant is able to absorb all the minerals, all the 
macronutrients we've talked about and put it into their leaf structure and become more healthy plants. That, that, that health of those plants actually um, makes that plant to create like uh, some more complex phytochemicals that, um, that basically like make them immune to a, a whole host of pests. The more uh, healthy they are, the more complex their, uh, their like foliage or whatever is, and it becomes too complex for the digestive system of these like lower order organisms like spider mites and aphids. And then it'll go up to succession a little bit more into like roly polies and earwigs and then a little bit more into like leaf cutters and things like that until it's no longer able to be digested by any of those insects. And it's only good for invertebrates. But like none of our plants are at that level in the conventional growing system and even in the organic system. And that might get you kicked off YouTube. But, <laughs> you know, even within actually the, speaking of which, um, yeah, we're going to we're about to shut down off YouTube. We only do the first portion on YouTube because some of the things we talk about get so set heavily censored um, yeah. and we do get kicked off or pulled and everything else. So uh, the second hour moves over to Rockfin where okay. uh, absolutely whatever they are completely in no censoring. And we are at about the end of the first hour. Um, so with that, why don't we go ahead and uh, uh, give everybody again any information you want and where to find you. And we will go ahead and say goodbye to YouTube and move over to Rockfin where we can talk like adults and give right. out good information. Sounds great. All right. So again, yeah, just to reiterate from, I guess, that first hour then, um, you know, I'm a permaculture designer. Um, and again, for people that don't know what permaculture is, you can maybe go to that previous video on YouTube or um, uh, basically I'll just summarize that it's a method of design that utilizes principles found in nature uh, to create abundance uh, with minimal inputs and maintenance. And then uh, I'm a water harvesting designer, uh, which uh, is a certificate that can be obtained from the Watershed Management Group in Tucson, Arizona of a nonprofit based primarily in Contra Costa County, uh, which is in the Bay Area of California, called Transformative Soil and Landscapes. And then our mission is to promote community and health by installing edible food forests in people's backyards, uh, utilizing volunteers to make our work more economical for the households. Um, I'm a certified soil food web lab technician. And then, um, and then, yeah, and then I also, like I said, work for Sustainable Solano as a program manager installing gardens in the community to help uh, put out food to families. And I also have my own freelance work that I do um, and I, I can be found on soillogical.com for that work where I can do lab tests for people's soil to see what types of organisms are in there and kind of help give them some direction into how to get more organism, more of the stuff that they need in their soil. And then I also do that permaculture design through my freelance work as well. And yeah. Fantastic. Well, that's it. This has just been absolutely beautiful. And I know this was very uh, information dense. So everybody, please go check Michael out. And that way you can start taking this in in tolerable doses because this isn't an overnight thing. And that's the thing about permaculture and what Michael was talking about. <laughs> While it's a lot of work up front, after you've learned it, after you've implemented it, all of a sudden there's very little work because 
the the plant life is doing the work that you were doing it doesn't require watered as much because it's able to hold on to the water better it's able to grab it better it pulls it up all these things and so this is really the way of the future if we want to change our uh, food chain and start getting true nutrient dense foods you are what you eat that we all know that and so if you're eating something that was growing off of chemical processed chemicals and then it's broken down to a point where your body just is basically processing it freely then your everything just becomes extraordinarily weak and uh, the fullness of life inside of it is, is just completely gone. So with that, uh, everybody, please come on over to Rockfin. Uh, it's completely free to watch the entire episode. If you want to jump in and make a comment, uh, ask a question. The episodes are pre-recorded. So, but I am there typically to answer any type of questions and Michael's obviously invited to uh, come also to any chats and answer any questions that uh, people might have. Um, and if you want to pay the $9.99, uh, that is for premium. I don't have any of my information on premium. I just am there because for the uncensored, which Rockfin is absolutely uncensored and lets us say whatever we want. So we love you all on YouTube, but we're going to go. Have a good one.